0: and Phil, and uh, this week we are talking to Tom Locke.
1: So welcome, Tom. Hey, great to be here. Thanks, Thanks for the invite. Uh, I like the whole premise of your uh, website, your podcast premise. I think it's a wonderful thing uh, going forward. And um, before I get in and introduce myself, I'm just curious, uh, the motivation for you to start the the webcast, was it 2021 you guys got involved with this or a little earlier? Or what really pushed you to say, hey, let's do this?
2: Well, it was during the pandemic Mm -hmm. and we were quite isolated. Mm -hmm. Lisa was working from home and I was on furlough intermittent furloughs so I was home and then I was back in the office and and uh we didn't see anybody we just didn't Mm -hmm. see anybody you know we missed human contact and stuff and I think that a lot of podcasts kind of started around that time for just that very reason and we were one of them so we are like we have natural curiosity you know we're both well Lisa's more of a reader than I am but I like music Mm -hmm. and Aaron um has diverse interests as well.
0: And we all like movies.
2: And and so we just Mm -hmm. used it as a vehicle to uh, be creative and inquisitive and socialize with people.
0: Yeah. And like when we're out and about, um, I will pretty much have a conversation with anybody. Right. You know, because everybody has a little bit of a story.
1: Everybody has a story and there's no question about it. There's no yeah, question about so
0: that. Like, why are you talking to them? And I'm like, why not? Well, I'm
2: more of an introvert, so I'm sitting there and I'm standing there in this grocery yeah. line. I'm leafing through a magazine or something. And Then all of a sudden, I hear this this engagement going on, and then you know, it's just not my nature, I guess. But yeah, and, um, yeah. But that's that's what makes us work, I guess. Is the difference?
1: Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. The purpose of asking that question
2: uh-huh. was
1: uh, was. Relates to uh, actually my book because it was during the pandemic that gave me the opportunity, uh, not traveling, not seeing a lot of people like yourselves, to sit down and do something that guys have been bugging me for about 10 years. For the last 23 years plus, uh, I've been writing a weekly moment in time, if you will, for uh, the longest running internet radio show. It's called Treasure Island Oldies. And it's group, its chat room, its uh, followers, listeners, kept saying, hey, Tom, you should put some of these you know, in a book. So I said, that really motivated me actually to do that, uh, especially because of the nature of the target group, the people that related and really loved the music of the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Uh, moreover, though, it was the fact that because of the pandemic, strangely enough, people got very used to QR codes, so I was trying to make my book a little different. I also appreciated the fact that as we've got older and certainly the younger generation, our attention span is really small. So the secret was in writing the radio scripts, which a lot of them appear in the book, was to capture something within five minutes, including the playing of the song. So you have instant gratification as you read a two-page story and then at the end, there's the QR code in the book, put on your smartphone camera, away you go. Right. Now, the style, uh, you may or may recall Paul Harvey, uh, mm-hmm. the rest of the story. Paul was a phenomenal broadcaster and he always used to tell these quirky tales and he leads you on a little bit of a mystery and then, you know, get you at the end, just at the end of his uh, little uh, broadcast. So that was the goal in, in writing all these and moving forward, and it, and it's been it's been a lot of fun. But I think it's really important that I it comes across that the book's not about me. It's about the music that we we grew up to. Music became a part of really uh, who we are. So in the writings, I may put a situation in which you all can relate to and tie it into that song. Um, yeah. I'll give you an example just to, out of the blue here. Yeah. Tommy James and the Shondells have a, had a record that any wedding that you went to after the speeches, the ceremony, speeches, dinner, the DJ became a focal point, you know, in terms of the, of the entertainment. Two or three songs in at the most, you would hear "Moni Moni," really and everybody would be up on the dance floor. This, <laughs> the song was timeless. You know right through the 56 they start playing it today i was at a wedding, what a year ago and there it was you know coming out there so those are the the type of things that i i really relate to as how the music has impacted or become a part of our culture and, and who we are yeah let's
2: kind yeah. of showstopper yeah that moaning yeah. moaning like I, long receptions it, and stuff i
0: had yeah. a cousin who um She wouldn't take a bath unless her mom played Splish splish, Splash. You were taking a bath. I was taking a bath.
1: She wouldn't. wouldn't.
0: And and it was it was kind of funny, you know.
1: I love that. That's funny. Well, I I grew up in in Toronto and moved to uh, the west coast of uh, British Columbia here in Canada in 1984 because of the entertainment industry. But in growing up in Toronto in the 50s and the 60s. We're being in a border town, as we often call it, Toronto, because of the picking up of the radio, TV, you know, from Buffalo, primarily was our, our big feed, some New York, other New York stations. And so we were introduced to a lot of music, like the rhythm and blues. We'd would, would come under there, a guy named George Hondog Lorenz was there. And so similar to your splish splash story about the bath. Um, I had somebody say, oh, I can't go to bed tonight unless I, I listened for an hour with George Lorenz out of uh, WKBW in Buffalo. So that type of thing, it was not uncommon, not uncommon at all. You mentioned Paul
2: Harvey. Uh, our schedule was so tight in the morning when I went to high school. My dad would drop me off at school, and every single morning we'd hit that uh, you know, now you know the rest of the story, you know, and it was so yeah, it was I, I know what formula you're talking about. you know, he, he lays out the story, then they go to commercial, then they come back in, and then he kind of tops it off and he's like, now you
1: know the rest of the story. You got it. and and that really motivated me. and how that all started. I mean, this book, the idea for these short sound bites as we as we call them today, started with me in Toronto. Doing like you in the morning, driving to work or driving to, to uh, university and going, hmm. Remember if you had a drive to and a drive home piece where a, 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 a segment, like a Paul Harvey, would come on and guy would talk about this tune and break to a commercial, come back, tell you the rest of the story, then play the record. So that always talked with me. In fact, I did my first demo with that in mind and that formula, if you will, back in 1986. So this is um, its not like uh, an overnight success thing, but any stretch of the imagination. It's all about timing. And then I took it to Nashville, because uh, I had friends in Nashville that I knew through the my uh, connections in, in the film industry. And one of the companies down there who do all the TV commercials for radio stations said, hey, I'll let my radio guys hear it and my clients hear it and see what they think. Well, at that time, they came back to me and said, no, no, nobody wants sound bites. You know, we want uh, Casey Kasem's Top 40. We want uh, Dick Barkley's, you know, three hour, you know, a week program. That's what they're looking at. Dick Clark had one too. So that's what they're looking for in terms of airing on radio. So it wasn't until mid 1990s, sitting down with my um, good friend, Michael Godin. uh, He used to work with A&M Records and he's the gentleman who discovered uh, Brian Adams. He said, Tom, I think I'm going to go back on air again. And I, I think this internet's going to go. It's really going to go. And so come 1997, he did. And then I came up and say, Michael, would you like to have this segment on your show every week? And it's been on his show every week since 2000. So there you go. You know, I it's noticed. just it's, it, timing is a wonderful thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> well, I noticed and, what... it,
0: and it's one of those things where you have to, sometimes you have to wait for, well, A, you have to wait for the technology and B, you have to wait for the people to catch up with the technology.
1: Right. And that's and pen, the pandemic again helped me for my target audience because everybody their vaccination cards or they went to a restaurant, the venues, you know, so everybody got hip about what QR codes were. So it wasn't mm-hmm. a big stretch. And actually, it was, oh, yeah, I'm familiar with that when it was in the book. So it allowed the book to be just a little bit different than the other music books in the marketplace. My biggest up. challenge was choosing 120 songs. because so there's 12 chapters, 10 songs per chapter choosing the hundred or the thousand plus that i had written and the ones i picked were ones that i really believed that people reading this would do one of two things oh i remember that well oh i didn't know that how cool is that now it gives me an extra meaning about what that song's all about so yeah. that was the impetus right well um what
2: was i going to um uh, i noticed i went out to treasure island oldies.com i went out there thinking well i want to download some of uh tom's segments so we have an idea feel for what it was you know Mm -hmm. when he comes on and we talk about that you know give a voice to it and i noticed that well okay if you're gonna if you're gonna listen to us you got it's a live stream sunday evening six to ten or something it is
1: so if you go to my book website which is Mm mitstories.com and it'll there'll be there's a tab at the top it says weekly moments in time and you go to that tab and you click down and there's all the weekly just click on them and the whole story's there plus the link to the song
2: okay okay
1: and if you want to be on my 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 weekly list that that part of the subscribers just send me an email to that i'll set you all up and you could get weekly so i i like i like to call it my monday morning smile about music you know
2: right Mm -hmm. i think the One thing that uh, people are trying to preserve, I know we have a music, we got a friend who actually wrote the theme song for our episode and uh, our podcast. And he, um, occasionally his music is played on a website where it's streamed and it gives the time. It has a listing of all the uh, artists that are going to play that evening or the songs are going to play. And it's, uh, you got to capture it. It's like radio, it's live radio. You know, they're trying to reproduce the, feeling of live radio you know like when we all used to have our cassette recorders like we're going to catch our favorite song you know when it when it plays or whatever that trying to capture do. that yeah trying to capture that moment in time so i think there's a there's a a, a real um uh feeling in support of that type of, of thing still you know that even though it's the internet and everything is quick and always present you know downloads whatever the idea of appointment listening is still appealing to a lot of people.
1: I, I agree. I think you're. I think you're on the money with that.
2: Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and so this is very much in that that vein.
0: What is your uh, What is your favorite story? Maybe that didn't make the book.
1: <laughs> that didn't make the book. Well, mm-hmm. I I have one. Um, there it it is. Um, it's a <laughs> it's an interesting story because. It's kind of unusual uh it's a it's about a record that I think would have been much higher on the charts than it first came out and it's by a very very successful guy who did have number ones afterwards. so that's kind of unusual but it, it takes back to the you know the mid50s and and Street corner Harmony. Today, we often call that doo-wop. I don't like that phrase. I prefer to call it street corner harmony. That word doo-wop, by the way, never came out to the early 70s, you know, uh-huh. in, this, in, in terms of uh, naming that genre, if you will. Right. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's, you know, Frankie Lyman, and the teenagers, they do Why Do Fools Fall in Love? And they really set the bar for all the groups, you know, in, in New York, on the street corners, in the subways, you know, singing. and And one group out of the Bronx, uh, came forward and said we really like that in fact the lead singer a lot of people don't know this was actually a good friend of frankie lyman's and that and this gentleman's still alive today that was dion de or you as we know him as dion Name,
0: they call me the
1: went on you know on his own after he left uh, Dion the Belmonts and he had run around Sue at the number number one? He had a lot of big, big records, Lovers Who Wander, The Wanderer, uh, etc. However, when he was with the Belmonts, their very first record before Teenager in Love, their very first record was I Wonder Why. When you listen to a I Wonder Why, 1958, every element of the doo-wop sound, if you will, is there. You got the voice, you got the bass guy going dun 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 dun. Everything is there. And I I didn't put that one in because there was other street corner harmony stories I wanted to tell. So it didn't make the cut. So that's how tough it was for me. Because yeah, yeah. It put me on a desert mm-hmm. island and I had I was allowed three songs to bring, that mm-hmm. would have been one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah.
2: well that do up sound, I mean a lot of people don't know that Ronnie James Dio started as a duop singer, really. Or yeah, the singer of Black Sabbath and the Rainbow, and um, also uh, George Clinton. Sort yeah. they uh, they sort of started in a, as a barbershop uh, duop type ensemble. You know, just kind yeah. of hanging out at the barbershop.
1: Yeah. So that sound yeah. is
2: indelible, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, you got to start somewhere, you know. You got to start somewhere. Uh... Uh, that sort of relates to, you know, I was mentioning, say, if I had three songs on an island I had to listen to. One of my other ones relates to, and the story behind it, is the fact that you got to start somewhere. No different than, you know, what you just said, Phil. You have to start somewhere. So where do you start? Well, the, these two guys uh, set up in, in New York and they started writing music. Ironically, ironically, their first big hit was a country record that crossed over to the pop charts in 57 by a, a tremendous legendary country artist by the name of marty robbins oh, now that song was called this is my favorite song believe it or not it's called story of my life a- and how my
2: heart the way you smile
3: at me i want
1: the world to the story of my life. It's a, just a beautiful ballad. If you ever get a chance to hear it, you may not remember it right off. It's phenomenal. And that yeah. was the Phil's mom
3: loves record. Marty Robbins.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, me too.
3: I, I, El Paso.
2: Yeah. El
1: Paso, Big funny. Iron, um, Hanging Tree. <laughs> it goes on. Alboard but Mary, the guys who wrote that record saying, you know, getting back, you got to start somewhere,
3: yes. was
1: Phil David and Bert Backrack. Who obviously went on to fame and fortune with Dion oh, Warwick. Right. So there go there's that's it. that story's in the book. Now, after that, the next year, how versatile these guys were, and starting out, they wrote magic moments for Perry Como, which is another big hit. Yeah. And yeah. then on with with the So that that type of story and background is is fascinating to me. But again, you gotta start somewhere.
2: Well, I remember I, I did read comments or I might have heard it in one of your interviews where you said you're really your your main focus or your real fascination Passion. is with the, the period of music, I guess, late 50s, where uh, a lot of the legacy blues singers, black singers from you know the, the 40, 30s and 40s, um, mm-hmm. a lot of their music got reimagined or mm-hmm appropriated maybe some might yep. say by, by white artists and that this was really kind of a focal point for for you
0: yeah and, was, and more i hear about elvis it seems like most of his music was uh reimagined
1: <laughs> well <laughs> well i mean you know you the big mama thornton you take a look at hound dog right and, yeah. and right. in fact elvis has the only number one uh or the only 45 where the a side and the b side were number one hits all shook up was on one side hound dog is on the other hound dog was was was, um big mama thornton and written ironically though written by two white guys Lieber and stoller who were legends you know down the line going through and then she did it she had some success seen elvis let's, let's do this Elvis. Gets very fortunate because he had a, a great marketer that nobody else had in Colonel Tom Parker. I mean, Elvis had talent, don't get me wrong, it was great. But boy, with Parker and his side promoting him and exposing him, that's what really helped take things off. It, the, the time again, one unbelievable timing to a point everybody tried to imitate the Elvis style. There's a lot of Elvis imitators that you know came out afterwards. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but getting but back to your your piece. I won't let the, this die. You, you talk about, yeah, yeah my sweet spot for, for music, even pop music, is from, um, I would call it the pre Beatle area. So you go 50 up to about 63 before, you know, the Beatles come to North America on force. You know, we see him I in Sullivan in February of 64 and mm-hmm. Beatlemania begins. So I, I like that period before. And it is a fascinating period because this is where I have to bow in and in a, a movie I'm working on right now is t- talking about the evolution of rock and roll through the eyes of the DJ. Okay. And back then, and these renegades, you know, who were told, Hey, you can't play that. They played it anyway because it, it was their time on the air and they went and did it and they started playing uh, these records. So we even go back to the, the days of Alan Freed by Fluke. He, he's in, um, Neil Mintz's uh, Rendezvous Records shop in Cleveland in the early 50s, and he's watching all these teenagers, which is a sort of a new demographic that was being exposed at the time, come into his shop and picking up all these R&B records because the kids got into R&B. So yeah. that was interesting. The big companies, you know, the big ones like the RCAs, and I started realizing that, geez, kids like this music we're going to cover these songs with our established artists. So, you know, people think right away, Pat Boone's the first number one person that you think about, but they'll Georgia Gibbs. They they went out and took their established singers. They're under contract. Hey, we want you to sing this tune and, and slam the market. And of course they had the marketing background to make things happen. So people were, were buying things out. Down the line, the the desire to hear the original you know, unpolished versions became more and more what people wanted. Certainly uh, uh, myself, I could put myself in that category. I wanted to hear that, the original Little Richard stuff. I wanted to hear the original Chuck Berry uh, type stuff. You know, the, the real roots, who they were inspired by guys earlier in that with R&B, Rhythm and Blues, you know, straight blues, you know, like coming Bobby, in Bobby
3: gospel. All uh... Yeah
1: all David coming uh, in to this into Williams. this area so about 10 or 15 years after the craze the 70s when the rock and roll revival happened again in the early 70s little richard saw the interview and uh, he turned around and actually thanked pat boone because thanks to guys like boone and other white cover artists if you will they got exposed to the national level so there's songs down the line you know it was them you know making yeah. things happen
0: it wasn't you know? right away but it became
1: right yeah yeah it be a delicate topic
0: mm-hmm.
1: It is. Oh, hey.
2: Have very strong feelings you know yeah,
1: yeah. well the cultural right. unrest was was unbelievable i mean and, and that the and to a point that you when you came to the um the the end of the 50s and when this raw Form of rock and roll, you know, came up with sort of like no rules, music, if you will, DJs, you know, you uh, these regionally regional stars in their field, Alan Freed, Bill Randall, George Lorenzo, I mentioned you know, of Buffalo. You had Porky Chedwick out of Pittsburgh, who's still a his name is still a God. If you're in Pittsburgh, you say Porky Chedwick, everybody'll know who he who, who who you're talking about. You I know, like you Mark had Mark Jocko Kobe. Henderson, you had Hunter <laughs> Hancock in LA. But these guys. It just started to go. It got out of control. And these guys had their radio shows. They had their own reign. They could do what they wanted to do until the late 50s. So what happens? Well, a few uh, pretty depressing things. It makes tension, just like you talked about, Phil. Frankie Lyman on uh, Alan Freed's uh, ill-fated TV show seen Dancing with a White Girl. Well, the sponsors and the owners of the station want that. So that show, you know, uh, disappeared. Um, little Richard says, hey, I've had it. He has an epiphany. I'm picking up the Bible. Nice talking to you. You know, I'm, I'm gone. Uh, Jerry Lee Lewis gets in a lot of hot water by marrying his uh, 13-year-old um, second cousin. So that didn't help matters any. Mm-hmm. And Colonel Tom persuades Elvis, hey, this might be a good time, you know, that for you to go in the art." In the army and then the 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 killer for me um was aside from chuck berry also getting arrested for statutory rape uh
3: the
1: the other key part that uh,
3: when you said the killer you mean no pun intended right yeah yeah lewis jerry lee lewis
1: right (laughs) yeah no no yeah yeah the killer um the uh Big problem happened for that, and certainly clammed in on the DJs and what could be heard, was top 40 music came in. In other words, here's the playlist, here's what you're playing, okay? So so all of a sudden, the raunch, the, the edgy stuff, wasn't getting airplay. These guys were told, here's what you're playing, here's where we go. So we entered this, I call it the Melba toast era, or uh, uh, homogenized era, where or the Bobby era, it's often referred to, because you're here? Um, well, yeah.
0: Uh, do you think that maybe the top 40 also could have been a response to the fact that oftentimes, someone got a little more play with a little more uh, green?
1: Well, the Payola um, scandal came... came they, uh, they did, um, yeah. Anyway, it's an interesting thing about the Payola. I think the Payola became a big... Um, a big reason for for putting things out, I think, it got a little out of proportion, but they, they they had they had to do something. I also think that the people that were involved in, in that, I think, some of the DJs got just a little too uh, ahead of themselves, or you know, more of what they're worth, and caused the problem. Yeah, exactly, and caused caused their own problem. They sort of killed the golden goose, if if you will, but. It was a time when you could walk in and hand a guy a record, you know, and and he may be able to play it, but he made the choice of playing it. And then, you know, getting greased to, as one guy said about Alan Freed, he said, you know, he says, here I went in and the guy played my record. And I went back in and I, he gave something small, maybe a bottle of whiskey, which wouldn't be a stretch for Alan Freed. And, and said, Hey, thanks very much. He said, so I can't thank a guy. You know, for, for playing my music so the payola scandal if we could spend two hours talking about them, my suggestion read up about it the pro and the con of it because it, it's very interesting but it certainly helps set the table for top 40 music going in that was very observant in your part
3: yeah, maybe we could do another episode on payola yeah, no, no ba- oh,
1: yeah, yeah be like, you think
3: about
2: when, Jack, when we all you know,
0: have a little more time and less grandchildren ballgames. Think
2: of like Dick <laughs> Clark and Wolfman Jack. These guys had huge. The Austin's pitching. He they struck out two batters.
3: What's that? All right. Austin's pitching now. He struck out two batters so far this inning.
0: Okay. Yeah. Both of uh both of Aaron's grandchildren are really good at baseball.
1: But these is, EJs- uh, is your
0: current child good at hockey? Yeah,
1: he's he's coming along. He's nine years old. And just as an aside, so you know, baseball is my favorite sport, and Sports I played not just it. laid
3: out to end the inning. Awesome, I, I,
1: yeah. I, I played it for uh-huh. organized Great. ball for fifty years and coached as, as well. Oh, awesome. I, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, and well, there's I, a
2: third I, podcast we can do because Aaron and I are that's our baseball's first for us as well.
1: So okay, well, you know what? They're,
0: they're both in a rotisserie. That's, that's a no
1: brainer. That's a no-brainer podcast for me. I, I can yeah. take you through a lot of the, my history in baseball and, and stuff like that in that park. To give you an idea, just as a sidebar, how big a fan I was, in 1977 in Toronto, I was still living there, the Toronto Blue Jays, you know, came into being. So uh, I ended up moving to the coast in 84. But until 2020, when the pandemic hit, I never missed opening day. I would fly back. Guys I played ball with, guys I, I work with, fraternity brothers, right. they get an eclectic group. There would be like 40 of us going to opening day at, at the ball nice. games in Toronto. And it didn't happen in 2020 because the pandemic canceled opening day. So I, well, I, I had a I good string that.
2: of opening days myself. I had, I had from the time I was probably 11 or 12, we had a family friend that bought us opening day tickets, me and my friend. Oh, like 12 to 13 years in a row.
1: Nice.
2: And I've gone to a lot of them, and Aaron's been to one. <clears
3: <clears <throat> now, opening opening day where? To, oh, two or three, Cincinnati.
0: Cincinnati Reds.
1: Okay. Yeah, I've been to the state. Yeah, the
0: Reds is the only the team older. in the league that's guaranteed that their first game will be a home game because we were the first team.
2: And of course, we've been holding your first baseman hostage team. for about the last 15 years, too. So but He's just got freed, so. <laughs> Joey Votto,
1: right yeah, well, Joey's, yeah, yeah a great player. Yeah, mm-hmm. but okay, so back to the we're yeah, talking about I
2: these larger than life DJs, you know, mm-hmm. like Wolfman Jack and Dick Clark. They're celebrities unto themselves,
3: mm-hmm.
2: so they kind of like move. They they're really pivotal in moving the, moving the uh, the, the music needle industry for almost and all these artists, the Rock and right? roll and R and B. Remember American Graffiti, mm-hmm. the movie. Mm -hmm.
1: I I think he kind of captures that whole thing. They sure did. What a fascinating thing is we went to 50s, 60s, 70s. In the 60s, the Beatles actually brought America back to its roots by, you know, uh, copying uh, Chuck Berry Turing with Little Richard, who comes back on and and covering those tunes that we had heard originally in, in the 50s. So that was fascinating to me. Then in the 70s, we have this rock and roll revival piece. Wolfman Jack goes to New York and he goes head to head against Cousin Brucie, you know, on on the air. And
0: uh-huh. another
1: guy, Norman Knight, a famous uh, DJ, goes to New York as well. Uh, Norman's wrote eight books on rock and roll. And he's uh, actually, a, I'm proud to say, he's one of my good friends. And he was in Cleveland, went to New York. He lived now, lives back in Cleveland. But these guys were... Right there. American Graffiti comes out. What a successful movie. What a great soundtrack it was. Then Happy Days comes on and comes on. There, yeah, people needed, there's a, a bit of a malaise. You got to understand there's a great escape back to happier times. I mean, we were getting over the Vietnam War. We had, There was a lot of bad things going on. So Happy Days come. And then he spins off another show called The Vernon Shirley, which all related back to that era and the music of that time uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah that's
0: yeah
2: yeah i love that movie i mean i don't know the movie mm-hmm. american graffiti wolfman jack is the, the main memory i have it also that uh um,
0: ron howard ron
2: howard of
0: course was mm-hmm. in happy days well, and-
1: richard Dreyfus, harrison yeah. ford i mean right yeah, right. yeah, yeah. and the yeah. girl driving in the thunderbird remember her the mysterious girl that was yeah. suzanne summers oh
0: i didn't realize that awesome mm-hmm.
1: yeah to, But you're talking about the top 40
0: Well, uh, Laverne or Shirley was in it.
1: Yes, she was. Cindy Williams was in it. That must be my wife's name, by the way, Cindy Williams. (laughs) that was obviously a
2: catalyst for you Mm -hmm. know, uh, happy days, no doubt about it. And that whole, yeah,
0: I mean, you can go back into American graffiti and just kind of go, you you know, look at almost a who's who of of young Hollywood at that point.
1: Ultimately,
0: ended up. You know, being so, no names,
2: no fawns though. But the fawns was in Lord. Keep in it. He was in the Lords no, of Flatbush. I think
0: he was in the it, Lords but... of Flatbush.
1: Henry Winkler was in the Lords of Flatbush. That's correct. Oh,
0: Okay. It wasn't so in American. Was an American Her,
1: Harrison Ford was the cool guy in the big car. And, yeah. And, and and remember, Mackenzie Phillips was in there. She was the, you know, the awkward teenager in that 12, 13 year old, you know, age group at that time. Right. Yeah. Well, that's a whole um, different thing, too, that whole
0: yeah.
1: rock star with the uh, underage.
0: <laughs> I know that. We I just walked them off. Game over. Please. Game All over. Right.
2: Okay. Go bananas. Did they win, I Aaron? one right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, his okay. grandson's
0: team Nine won. Nine to, to
2: eight. Awesome. Whoa.
0: Okay. I think th- th- their name is Go Bananas. Go oh. Bananas. Oh, go bananas. go bananas.
3: They're the bananas. Like the oh, Savannah is- bananas, they have Savannah banana uniforms.
1: Are they as uh, athletic and jumping around as much?
3: They don't do the. They don't do. They don't play banana ball. They play. Oh man!
1: I tell you, I watched a clip of that, and someone said, "Tom, you got to watch this." I put it on, and I watched a couple more clips. It's fantastic. I mean, talk like the uh, Harlem Globetrotters of baseball. For Pete's sakes, they're they're fantastic.
3: Yeah, they do crazy stuff. They pitch on stilts or trampolines.
1: Yeah, I fan yeah. yeah. catches
3: a fly ball. You're out. All kinds of weird rules. <laughs> oh, wow. wow yeah. I,
0: I don't go on anything as scary as a stepladder. So
2: man, we just keep yeah. getting pulled back into baseball, don't we?
0: Yeah. Um mm-hmm.
2: but uh winning will do that. For well you, but
0: and, and Aaron is at a ball exactly game. He's actually at
2: a ball game, appropriately. Right. Yeah. But yeah. but you were okay, so you were talking about top forty mm-hmm. radio and how it became kind of uh yeah. I think you said the malays or you said the
1: well, it became it became the, it, the rule of thumb. that's the way it was going so the new DJs that came in afterwards and you, like uh in the early 60s and that who had to change they had to come up with a, an angle so like the dick Beyondies, you know he became the screamer he was a screamer right there like you all of a sudden you had to create your personality you couldn't do it through the records you, you know your playing because you're pretty well held to them but you had to do it other ways so events and promotions and stuff so they there's still that dj you know personality today other than maybe the morning guys people still you know driving to work put the radio on the car people the the radio personality is nothing like it was back then i mean it was so big back Boy. then that when stars came to town and with the freed or with porky chedwick and that they had more autographs than the stars did and if you look at the old marquees it'll say alan free presents and then it'll be the names of the artists underneath it. He is top billing. Right. Uh, yeah. There's a guy in Vancouver here who just passed away this year, sadly. His name was Red Robinson. And he, at 17 years old, in 1954, had his own radio show. He would drive down to Seattle, <laughs> go to the RB shops there, Fill his trunk up with R and B records, driving back across the border and start playing them on a show that night. So one night he's playing the station guy drives over because he goes, What is this stuff? Crap you're playing. Get this stuff off the air. Red microphones up points over to the, the control band panel where look where all the phone calls are coming in. The guy goes, Oh, never mind. <laughs> so, yeah, that's yeah, how powerful right. it was to this the community. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
2: uh, don't you think that maybe disco is like the boiling point of that whole type of, uh, uh scenario? Um, I remember WKRP in Cincinnati. Johnny Fever. Th- I was thinking about that. One of the first episodes, and he's having to play something by the Bee Gees or something, and finally you got the go ahead from Andy. To play he, like rock and he like takes the needle and just goes <laughs> right across right, the, the record and then he puts on like i don't know satisfaction or something
1: like yeah. that Yeah, and starts
2: rocking out yeah. it's like
1: well yeah that that whole you, you talk about a rise and fall of a of a genre you know which you know spun out of a, a rock and roll is that that whole disco era prior to that in the early 70s there was a, a lot of nightclubs that um, people who, who wanted to escape. And and, and they became comfort zones, so underground clubs, primarily for for blacks and the people out of the LGTB community. And they would go there and then the music, they could do what they want, dance with it, they felt safe, they did their own thing. Then all of a sudden, some people on the air played it because they liked it. Okay, not a Johnny fever, but and others. It, everybody has their taste. I get it. But as soon as Saturday Night Fever came out and John Travolta, you know, down the streets, all of a sudden the Bee Gees were big. In fact, the Bee Gees were the most successful selling group of the 1970s. That's how big that music, I mean, on that, you know, album, uh, the Staying Alive, I mean, I think they had something like seven or eight hits off of that thing. I mean, it was, it was incredible. Now it gets to a point. I mean, Donna Summer, you know, makes a name for herself. Gloria Gaynor, I Will Survive. It's sort of a, a bit of a, a theme song of that disco era. But then it hits. And I think the crowning point, well, for me, was 1979 when Mike Beck, uh Bill Vack's son, has Disco Demolition Night, you right. know, in, in Chicago on the south side down at Comiskey <laughs> Park. I remember oh, that. What a, what a story that was. Uh, in fact, I just saw there's a piece on the vec family that was on um pbs uh, and i watched it and it was fascinating but they they talk about that night and how embarrassed they were that it happened uh the second game was canceled um, because it was a double hitter against detroit that evening and wow um, that was sort of the rise and fall almost that that night you can almost boom you know and and it, it was over Right.
0: Well, and and, and actually I, I have to say that you cannot hustle out disco.
1: No. <laughs> Good oh, what you did
2: there. Yeah. Good one. Um,
0: I mean, every single woman I knew that were friends with my mother were taking lessons to do the hustle. Yeah. All of them.
2: But then it seems like
0: even my aunt who never left the house except to work was went to hustle lessons with my mom and um another
3: friend
2: then not it seem like maybe air supply? some of these bands these top 40 bands you know christopher cross and all this yeah uh, even some eagles and shit it the built it built up disco to album. disco then we had this death to disco night and then mm-hmm. classic rock got a second wind yeah.
1: yeah. Awesome. Well, and it, it was almost like soft rock, and today we call it the expression is yacht rock. So you yeah. have the, like, the 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 Jimmy Buffett's of Margaritaville, Christopher Cross, great great uh, sailing and um, a ride like the wind uh, yeah. had some couple of great records. Uh, and I, I actually kind of like Seals and Cross. You had that type of stuff. Aerosmith yeah. was a good yeah. example. Of, you know, none of
0: none of them are unlistenable. No, and
3: someone referred to someone referred to Holland Oats as yacht rock this week, and I kind
1: of I don't know. Uh, no. Uh, no. I don't think it falls
3: in there.
0: No,
1: no. <laughs> only maybe. um That's pushing uh, the, the first category two songs: "Sarah Smile" and uh-huh. "She's Gone," which came out in '76. But after that, I mean, "Man yes. Eater" and all that stuff—that was more raw you know yeah. piece. i mean what i loved about the 70s and came out to was, was, was funk music i mean i got into funk like rufus I tell me funk. something good oh I yeah love funk, earth wind and fire i mean there was a lot of really good stuff that was a spin mm-hmm. you know under the rock and roll stuff, and then you come into the yeah 80s. there you go
3: yeah
2: the 80s the 80s is
0: there's good stuff but
2: the 80s was our era but aaron and i both crap all over the 80s all the time yeah
1: and it's Good funny time. i have a, a, a hard time with it uh my my challenge with the 80s and the 90s is i think technology ruined the sound i like the raw sound the natural sound there was so much synthesizer board work done um yeah. and, and and playing and that when you saw the group you know live after you say geez that doesn't sound like the record of course, like, it, it, no and i hate
0: that right
1: yeah me too like if SNL. I
0: really like a song and go to see somebody in person and find out that they sound completely different from that. It it disturbs. I don't like it.
2: Well, like the well, bands that play on SNL, I always feel like depends, it, and I think this was established depends, in the 80s
3: when some independent whether or not it's imp- improvisational music though. Yeah.
2: But but like these SNL yeah, well, these SNL performances, different. these bands were accustomed to a more polished studio thing. They get on there and they sound like, like garbage, you know. They, they really
1: well, yeah. I, I can tell you a story. I was at the, the Canadian uh, Juno Awards. They're like the Grammys. Okay. So I, I fly back to Toronto because uh, there's a couple of people because they were having a, some uh, nostalgic groups play like the band and that and that there. And I wanted to see them. So that like, the big stars in the late 70s, early 80s was this group, um, Millie Vanilli, which mm-hmm. won a Grammy. All right. Then the story yep. comes out about them. Not really. They were just. The, performers they couldn't sing it was all done in the studio electronically and differently so we're there that night and this gets back this gets back to to lisa's comment i'm sitting there and then they come out to perform and i turned to michael and i said uh jesus i said you know, they, they don't sound like the record at all. Uh, maybe their mics are off or anything. Maybe the sound system's not that great in here tonight. Every other group that came out afterwards were spot on. They're great. They're pros. It was really good. So that was my first inkling, but I, we didn't know at the time. And then, the you know, the penny they dropped you know, some pay. six months later. Right. Yeah.
0: Um, I think that the the perfect reference to that would be the uh, the Johnny Bravo episode of the Brady Bunch just well, marketing for the sake of marketing it's got nothing to do with the actual talent
2: so he was like a rock but, star that one of well the no no
0: no uh they wanted greg to become this character johnny bravo i remember that but you know i mean greg uh, of course
2: he got off there's weeks, a reason
0: why a little bit Moved but into
2: his dad's uh office, uh, office yeah is his bedroom. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah do not disturb signs it's a, right no right problem. it
0: was um yeah. it was yeah well, how but i you, mean it's a perfect example of how they can take something and turn it into something completely different and then you're supposed to just buy it it's
1: just a house of cards right? well, yeah
0: i mean yeah
1: it, it, well, it's been can... happening you know all around. i mean uh how about sugar sugar by the archies that was a, a song as a hit is oh geez we better get a band together so we can go on tour yeah well, that song's so yeah. infectious. It is like yeah,
0: but that's all they
1: sweet. That's yeah. all, well, all I know other, of the uh, There's another wedding song, the wedding reception song, right there. So, all right. <laughs> yep. Well, so how do you, uh, you know, I know
2: we're getting mm-hmm. short on time, but how how do you feel about like uh grunge music? That's like one of the most polarizing, and it I love it because to me it was like mm-hmm. it was going back. I know it was discordant. It was not. You know, didn't have the structure of like uh, "Stairway to Heaven" or something. <laughs> a,
0: little and, blues, but, a little bit of blues, a little bit
2: of. But I love Soundgarden and Nirvana. I mean, even like Blind Mel- yeah. Melon, uh, yeah. PJ Harvey. You know, I love music from that era. Julianna Hatfield. Mm-hmm. You know.
0: Yeah.
3: Uh,
2: even. Yeah.
0: Uh,
1: I, but, but in my uh, day, in the in the in the, in the, in the like sixties, when you we heard that type of, song, it was like uh, we used to call it garage band. You know right. music. And, and then yeah. I sort of led into some punk down the line, but, but punk was really what we, what we do punk as it was in the garage, but it was also called street music, you know, these, you know, kids of the street, you know, singing their stuff out. But I go back to these, like a um, uh, group garage brand movie, like, uh, I, I had too much to dream last night, by the electric prunes, know, there's a garage band, or or the, or the uh, the swinging medallions had a song called double shot of my baby's love you hear that one but you you hear the background you hear the the hiss that's why i love original recordings i love playing i have a uh, i have a jukebox holds 45s but that sound as opposed to listening to um you know off of youtube or you know it's been you know electronically enhanced remastered doesn't cut it for me you don't have the essence i can't picture the guys doing it these gr- grunge and garage band sounds that we're talking about here I can actually see these guys not being perfect, but winding in, and and because they because of their love for their their music, it's cool. Right.
0: Yeah, I mean, like you've got um, the crickets named because there were crickets when they recorded that's, it in their garage. Is that
1: is that what? I mean? that's, yeah, that's, yeah. That that's true. That that buddy Holly and the cricket. That's, that's Holly and the crickets, crickets got their name. There's the actually Beatles crickets their name in the song. Yeah, and beatles got their name because of, in honor of the crickets the beatles originally known as the, the silver the silver beatles actually right. and but yeah. they but they it was a, it was a hats off to the crickets cuz they were motivated again back by the old rock and roll songs, the chuck Berry's the buddy hollies you know right. the little richards that guys like uh, beat, I'll give you a story though. here this is an interesting ringo starr when he was in, inducted into the um, Cleveland Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, 2016. He talks about well, he said, "Well, what motivated you?" He says, "Well, I used to go home and and then in, in Liverpool, I'd go over to my buddy's house and we would turn on the station. And again, the power of the DJs I'm talking about here. And we pick up Radio Luxembourg, which was, was a small pirate radio they used to call it you know, in Europe. Where they play them off the ships off the water, and I'd hear Alan Freed." introducing me to all these groups these are the guys that motivated me going forward and who does he list buddy holly chuck berry little richard Jerry lee Lewis of course. you know elvis and he goes i we couldn't we couldn't get enough of that sound we wanted to incorporate that sound in our music and then what we were fortunate they brought that over here you know in the mid 60s and we got reinduced, reintroduced to the roots of rock and roll pretty neat
0: it is yeah and i like um uh, i always wondered uh what with uh us having punk and grunge and all that what what music would our children gravitate to
1: yeah isn't you that know? interesting yeah so, in, in, it's in, like in,
0: always in, kind of rebellion in a sense
1: well it's
2: always pink floyd for one yeah all well, kids love pink floyd yeah, so. yeah.
0: and also um the millennials are are going to vinyl they're either doing streaming on their phone or you know whatever or they're doing vinyl
1: they are for a uh, case in point last sunday i was at a, a record show a guy wanted me to come in guy's selling a bunch of albums he said tom t- would you take a corner set up your books and you know just talk to the music and guide them to the albums and he said if you want to bring some of your own albums too." so i i brought some in there i i sold um three Led Zeppelin albums in about I don't know two minutes uh, um, and way younger guy than me I'd say 30 years my junior and he said oh I love that I just love that sound and just because that's what appeals to him one comment I will make two things that you, you always learn something you never you never know about what's going on when I sold my book my target group was off the people you know in my vintage 50 plus but ended up having a second target group and it was the, the sons and daughters of parents and grandfathers who are going, ah, I just got my solution for Christmas. I remember that music when my, my dad, I remember this and mm-hmm. it's amazing. The number of people have gone back and it proves one thing, no matter what the arrangement, a good song will pass the test of time. But yeah. When, and at- I mean,
0: when I was growing up, uh, the soundtrack of my childhood was Motown.
1: Yeah. Oh, there you go.
2: Where's Yeah. We should yeah. say every once in a while, we should mention our guest's name.
0: Yes. <laughs> Tom so Lock, we're talking to
2: Tom Locke,
0: who wrote moments in time.
2: Right. And it's been, right.
0: and it's a, uh, it's a book about moments in songs. Yeah. Uh, and it's got 120 actual songs you can listen to by, uh by referencing
1: the qr code yeah, great in the book yeah my book is uh on amazon worldwide just so you know and um been there uh, numerous times my book is in the rock and roll hall of fame in cleveland Oh, cool! In, uh, not, not just in the gift shop it's actually uh, in their uh, library and uh, archives as a oh, reference right. book
0: Oh, wow. that's
2: that's
1: really
0: cool. yeah that's yeah. prestige
2: yeah yeah um mm-hmm. so we usually, thanks for giving us information on how to mm-hmm. to acquire your book. Yep. Um, we usually play a little little game, and I don't know. It usually takes about five. We need minutes. Need Aaron to get back. And uh, and do you want to do it? Or uh, our conversation has been so engaging. Yeah, we do it,
0: it without Aaron, you know, I guess.
2: With our limited time here,
0: right? It's, it's just a little bracket type thing where we list a couple of songs. You say which one you like better, no, and then it goes into part two, and then the We'll just, you know.
2: Okay, we'll just kick it off. Yeah. The, Ever, awesome the, Everly, the Everly Brothers versus the I, Isley Brothers. Everly Brothers. Okay. Please.
0: uh I'm going to go with the Everly Brothers. Aaron, we started the bracket. Uh, Everly Brothers versus Isley Brothers. You can do one or two if you don't want to.
2: I don't think he's got. Turn on here. Your, So I'm gonna go. I'm oh, gonna okay. go Everly Brothers. So okay. it's Everly Brothers. Okay. Uh, okay. Second, Grateful Dead versus Velvet Underground.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. That's a tough one. Uh, I probably lean to the Grateful Dead because I was a. I did like Jerry Garcia. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Lise?
0: I'm gonna go Velvet Underground.
3: All right.
2: Aaron.
0: I'm not a. I hate to. Don't tell Aaron, but I'm not yeah. a big grateful down. Yeah, no kidding. Um, what,
3: was the, <laughs> what was the
2: What was the first bracket? First made? one was Everly Brothers versus Isley Brothers. That is a tough one.
0: Yeah, that's what we were going for.
3: Yeah.
2: Did you give an answer? Let's go. Let's go, Everly. Okay, Everly won, and, and they won. Guys.
0: It's actually a uh, uh, all four of us went Everly.
2: So Grateful Dead, okay, so the second round is going to be...
0: Grateful Dead versus uh, uh Underground. Velvet Underground.
2: Yeah, Grateful Dead. Oh, Dead 1. Okay, you're here the
0: we- only Velvet Underground? Yeah. Okay.
2: T-Rex versus Mata Hoople.
3: T-Rex. T-Rex, please? T-Rex. Uh,
0: I'm going to be the outlier. I'm thinking you're going to go T-Rex, too.
2: Well, there's only one vote between me and Aaron, and Aaron took it this time, because oh, otherwise okay. you could have ties, and we're not into ah. That. Okay. So it's T Rex. Okay. Versus, uh, Big Star versus Todd Rundgren.
1: I probably go with the runt. I go with Todd Rundgren. Okay. Aaron.
3: Yeah, I love Big Star, but Todd Rundgren. Too prolific mm-hmm. not to go with. Okay.
2: Yeah. So- Well, it's going to be Rundgren because that's two out of three at least. But what would you have chosen, Lise?
0: Uh, I was nodding about Rundgren.
2: Okay. So it's Rundgren. All right. So Mm -hmm. finally.
3: We heard you nod on this audio medium. Thank you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's a video. You can look. He says we're doing video now. And he can see me nod because we're in the same room. All
2: right. So round (laughs) three. Everly Brothers versus The Grateful Dead.
1: I'll stick with the Everly Brothers.
3: Okay. Yeah. I'll too. go. Grateful Dead, and then uh, Lisa's going to go after Lee Brothers.
0: So. I am. Yeah. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like the ice cream.
2: T Rex versus Rungrim. Wow. I'll bang a gong for T Rex. All right. Wow, big T Rex guy here. Yeah, definitely.
3: Yeah, I'm a big T Rex guy too. But.
0: That's... Uh, I'll allow it.
3: I'm a. Uh, I gotta go Todd though.
0: Yeah. Okay. At okay. least
3: that makes you the tiebreaker.
0: Mm. Um I'm gonna go T Rex. Okay. Because I'm not sure I've actually heard any Todd Run stuff.
3: So here's the final T Rex.
2: I mean that
0: I, I knew it was Todd Run. We Rundgren. did a whole
2: episode
3: on it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> we did really? we did a
3: wizard of true star. We did a deep dive. Oh track. well
0: there we are That's then like
2: forty two songs oh, like then T
0: Rex. <laughs> mm mm-hmm.
3: All right. So
2: our final, he considered as a sure I was key. there
0: for that one. I missed quite a few.
2: You were there. But uh, you know what? To be fair, I think you might You're have been it. the host that day. You didn't really okay. participate. In that. Okay. So here's our final Everly Brothers versus T Rex.
1: Well, I'll go with the original inductees in the 1986 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the Everly Brothers.
3: All right. Yeah. Well,
2: I'm so it's two to one Everly Brothers.
0: Woo. I said, I said, Everly Brothers. There we go. Oh, yeah. oh, Aaron said, never mind.
3: Oh, Everly Brothers. Don't you said, Aaron? No, I said, I said T Rex, but Everly okay. Brothers won.
0: Yes, they did.
3: Yeah, two to one. Sorry, dude. All right, all right. so there you go. That's absolutely what I'm
2: I calling. was raised
0: on. The old stuff.
3: It's unequivocally
2: <laughs> the greatest band. <laughs> uh, <laughs> from the 1950s, the Everly Brothers. Uh, yep. On yep. this harmony I
1: mean, for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. all right Tom it's been fantastic wow. man mm-hmm. we really enjoyed it we I think we found about three other topics we could have a podcast
1: oh.
3: no, yeah yeah and I love
1: I love the format I love talking to you guys this way it's great it's it's what comes in and uh you know when you when you speak from your heart you know it's 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 a lot easier to to get through to people and I really enjoyed uh, the opportunity to do that today thank you so much yeah, yeah didn't't didn't know the these is games. there anything
0: you want to promote? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, other
1: than, hey, Christmas is coming. You know, if you're looking for a stocking stuffer, you know, it, my book's right on Amazon, just like a Locke Moments in Time, Stories um, of Artists and Songs from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And may I point out that it's for fans of music, and from me, a music fan.
0: All
2: right.
3: Aaron, you had something? excellent. Oh, I was just, I forget what I was saying now. Uh, oh, Yeah, I didn't know that the we didn't know until late last night what time these games were or where today, so I apologize for being. Uh, I mean, great. That's I think a the baseball remote.
2: perfect background for this. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah.
3: I'm sure good flavor.
1: I'm at I'm at home, so that's all good.
3: Yeah. <laughs> all, <laughs> right. at home. all good. Thanks for being on.
1: It was nice okay, to meet nice. You. Well, you. Enjoy nice your talk to you again. Let's yeah, uh, if you want to get together in the new year or stuff. I'd be I'd be honored to join you again. Whatever right. you want Sounds to talk
3: great.
1: about. Sounds all great. Right. all great. right. All
0: right. Be yeah. well. Uh-huh. Bye
1: bye.
0: We have social Twitter? Yeah, uh-huh, pod.
2: Instagram?
0: Yeah, uh-huh, pod. Facebook? Yeah, uh-huh, pod. So, let us know. Hit us back. Have a great week.